Hi, I'm Dr. Pam Peek, and welcome to episode 376 of Her, the podcast where you're going to hear the naked truth about her mind, her body, her life, and today, her aging. No, don't run away. No, we'll come back here now. Just a minute. This is a really cool thing because honestly, you're not growing older, you're growing bolder. Oh, you're going to love this. We have a terrific show coming up before we begin. Just know that this episode is made possible by Solaray Vitamins. Specifically for this episode, the liposomal multivitamins for women, women 50 plus. This is for whole body wellness, healthy bones, immune system. You don't want to slow down. You want to meet each day with resolve, find new freedoms, embrace the moments that matter most. And that's why this liposomal multivitamin was customized just for women 50 plus to help you stay feeling your best in this awesome, bold phase of life. To learn more, run on over to solaray.com. That's S-O-L-A-R-A-Y.com. Okie dokie. Now, here's your first reminder to click on iTunes after this episode to rate and review the show. Why? Because I'm just sitting here waiting for your feedback. That's why. I love your feedback. I'll give you another reminder later on. All right, it's time for her. Her, the podcast, the naked truth about women, her mind, her body, her life. It's all about her. Now, if you don't mind out there in the her podcast land, I'm just going to get up on my little soapbox. All right. What is with this culture and aging? Seriously, what is with the way we look at people in, in this case, women over the age of 50 for sure. But listen, the way things are going, it's like women drop off the map after the age of 40. What is, there is value here. There is an amazing new adventure that is over half your life, beginning at the age of 40 for crying out loud. So how about a book that reads like this? Growing Bolder, defy the cult of youth, live with passion and purpose. All right, I'm in. There you go. The author is Mark Middleton, and we are absolutely pleased, delighted, and okay, ecstatic about having him on the podcast. Mark, welcome aboard. I'm very happy to be here, Pam. And I have to tell you, if you can make me sound half as good as you did those vitamins, uh, uh, I, I never thought following multiple vitamins would be difficult. But my goodness, I want some liposomal multivitamins. And I don't even know if they're good for me, but uh, I would like some. I know, man. And so seriously, they make them for men, too. We're all over it. I'll make certain you get some for sure, for sure. Love I want to make sure. Make sure that everyone out there knows who Mark is. Now, Mark Middleton is the founder and CEO of Growing Boulder. I'm sorry, I just so love that whole title. One of the leading voices in the active lifestyle movement, he's the co-host of the Growing Boulder TV and radio shows, executive producer of Surviving and Thriving, editor of Growing Boulder magazine, author of Growing Boulder, Defy the Cult of Youth, 
Live with Passion and Purpose, and rock stars of aging director, videographer, writer of the feature-length documentary film Conquering Kilimanjaro, and a featured blogger on the Huffington Post, and you wonder why you have no time to eat. Is that correct? I, I Yes, I do wonder where I get everything in, but I have to say thank you. <laughs> you went through my, my almost complete resume. I shared your resume with someone recently. Uh, it took three pages, and uh, I've never seen anything like that. So, so, yes, thank you for that, but it does pale in comparison. Well, listen, um, a multiple Emmy Award-winning broadcaster is who Mark is. Listen to his voice, you know, my wonderful her podcast uh, listeners. Just listen to it. It's that beautiful broadcaster voice that I love. Oh, my gosh. So how did I get connected with Mark? Well, as most of you know, um, I love the Senior Olympics. I've been on their foundation board for a long time. And uh, I have been qualified as a Senior Olympic uh, triathlete and um, just love everything about it. And lo and behold, it just took place in Fort Lauderdale, which is where Mark is. And Mark uh, collaborated with um, the National Senior Games to be able to put together a full-on film with interviews and all the rest of it. I'm so excited. Where is that? Where can that be viewed when you're all done with it, Mark? Uh, it's not actually going to be a film, but I guess what's a film these days? We're putting together a 60-minute show, Pam, that's going to be on cable television. We're basically cobbling together a network, you know, primarily regional sports networks, but but also a lot of affiliates. Right now we've got uh, over 80 million households that will carry it, and uh, we're still finalizing it. It will be made available for those stations to air in July and August, and we'll have all of the stations in every state on our website, growingbolder.com. So uh, I wish I could tell you that it's going to be on NBC on Saturdays or Discovery Channel on here and that, but uh, it's going to be on probably 10 or 12 different cable networks, and it will air at different times on all of those. So you're going to have to find, uh, find the one where you live, and you can find that on our website. Awesome. That's fantastic. And um, just to let you know that Mark, like me, practices what he preaches. All right. So he is a multiple world record holder, master's swimmer, and a nationally ranked high hurdler. I didn't know that there was a high hurdler. I just assumed it was a hurdler. Um, is there a, like a low hurdler too? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, in college there is. I was a high hurdler in college, and you make a good point, Pam. In um, in Masters track and field, there is a long hurdle race and a short hurdle race. They call they call them short hurdles. They're not short, but uh, there isn't a high hurdle race in Masters. I uh, Actually, the hurdles get a little bit lower the older you get, and I think at my age now, they're 33 inches, and we ran 52-inch high hurdles in college, high hurdles. So uh, it is a little bit easier in that regard, but of course, we're not going quite as fast as we did back then. All right. And um, I want everyone to know out there, this this amazing guy is how old? Uh, how bold are you? Uh, excuse me? How bold are uh, I'm you? Uh, I'm 70 now. 70 years bold. Okay. And, and that's the way we're going to start saying it for now on. There's I, This word old makes me nuts. Um, and so how cool is that? So you wrote this amazing book. I brought you onto the podcast because I want everyone out there, I don't care what your age is, 
um, to really start thinking about the fact that this is a lifelong journey of discovery, adventure, pushing yourself, challenging yourself. Um, and, and really it just is so rich. And, um, can we just stop chopping up our life into segments like, and she was a child and then, you know, she was pregnant and then she fell off the face of the earth after the age of 40. Then we picked it up again when she was 65 and having all kinds of chronic illness. What the heck? No, it's a seamless, beautiful journey. It's a trajectory. And one of the things that you have done, Mark, with your work and my hats off to you for devoting your your life to this now after years and years of successful broadcasting and national recognition for your work, um, but now devoting yourself to this so that you can redefine what aging is. What do you mean by redefining? Well, you know, first of all, I don't mean this to sound like some big conspiracy theory, uh, but, but I really believe that we are all victims of a very subtle form of mass cultural hypnosis. Uh, you know, there's been multiple studies that say by the time we're three years old, we have a very negative vision of, of aging. It's something that, you know, we don't look forward to. We think old people, even at three years older, uh, you know, are weak and infirm and smelly and, and mean and crotchety. And, and that's just where it begins. It's, it, it literally never ends. And, you know, the, the mainstream media is probably the worst at it. There are literally millions of companies that are making billions of dollars every year by, you know, trying to lower our self-esteem. Uh, Self-acceptance is actually the ruination of their business. They want us to, you know, bemoan the fact that we've got wrinkly skin or that we're losing our hair or that we're a little bit overweight and, and, and on and on and on and on. So, you know, by the time I, you know, as I say this in the book, I, I really think we all have two self-images, the one that we carry around on a regular basis. Uh, you know, it may be good one day and bad the other, but we have this in the secondary internalized self-image that we don't know exists until we begin uh, to experience aging. And, uh, you know, it happens in our 30s and our 40s and our 50s. And, you know, it, we wake up with a pain or something happens to us and we begin to think, oh, that's because I'm growing old. And it, it just goes on and on and on from, from there. And because we live in this overtly ageist culture, and we've been exposed to it since the time we were newborns, the, the most ageist people of all are older people. We've had a lifetime to kind of, you know, absorb all of this messaging. And, and, and so I, I just... I just hate the fact that when we get to be a certain age, we think that it's the beginning of the end instead of the beginning of what's next. And I personally, it's almost a selfish endeavor that I got involved in this. I mean, as you know, everybody that's listening knows you don't feel any different today. I don't at 70 than I did, you know, at 17. I, I don't make the same stupid mistakes, but, you know, internally we're, we're, we're ageless. And when we get to this point where we have been told by our culture that, you know, it's time for us to withdraw. It's no longer possible for us to experience the kinds of adventures and excitement and, and emotions and feelings and successes and everything that we did years ago. 
uh, I, I just thought that's crap. And, and, you know, the fact that we talk about it, I listened to you when you did the intro, Pam, and you said, you know, a leader in the, the active aging movement. I mean, isn't it silly that there should be such a thing as a leader in an active aging movement? I mean, active aging is what we all should be doing. Uh, it's possible for all of us. And th- this is why I got interested in the National Senior Games. And, and I think kind of in it, at its core why you and I came together because, you know, it's just a community of people that, you know, are refusing to buy into the ageist propaganda that's everywhere. I love it. I, I absolutely love that message. You know, when you talked about, um, you know, this this whole issue of just pushing the boundaries, um, I, I go back to this um, uh, lovely quote you have, at the beginning of chapter two, the growing bolder Genesis, take a leap of faith and become becoming a man on a mission. And, and the actual quote is from Guillaume Apollinaire. Um, all right. Come to the edge, life said. They said, we are afraid. Come to the edge, life said. They came. It pushed them. And they flew. And I just love that because it, what it speaks to is um, the fear of change. You know, uh, can, we, can we say things that have not been the norm? You know, people who are now um, in their 60s, 70s, 80s, who have kind of, uh, you know, drunk the Kool-Aid of, you know, this is where we, and I quote, slow down. And this is where, you know, we just sort of like crew, put yourself in cruise control. Say what? You, you, you bring up this whole point about fear, which I love. And at the end of that chapter, there's a piece that you wrote. We won't live the engaged, social, passionate, rewarding, exciting, adventurous lives that we were meant to live if we can't overcome fear. We must take action. Living a big, bold life into our 90s and 100s isn't an outlandish, unachievable dream. It's an opportunity. We must want it and then go get it. Calculated strategic risk-taking has always been and always will be the path to success. Talk to us about the fear factor. Well, I mean, it's it's everywhere, and it's interesting. They, uh, nursing homes have changed over the years. It really wasn't decades ago that, uh, you know, when you were older, they, they literally pinned you into your bed or they strapped you to your wheelchair. And, you know, human beings, uh, you know, we're wired to, to have autonomy. We need to be able to make decisions. We need to be able to take risk. And, and, I, and I certainly think that we're smart enough, most of us, Pam, as we get older, to not take the kind of risk that could result in, you know, death or extreme uh, harm. But we have to be willing to risk embarrassment. We have to be willing to risk failure. Uh, we have to be willing to risk social unease. Or, 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 or nothing happens. You know, the, the culture, again, is, is, is pushing us to the couch. The culture is telling us that it's time to say no when, when I think, in fact, it's time to say yes. You know, this is the age of liberation, if not now, when? And, you know, the, the thing that I've learned from all the people that we've done stories on is, is that you have to be willing to say yes, even when you don't know what the outcome is, is going to be. 
and that's hard for us as we get older. Uh, you don't have to know that this is something that you really want to do. You don't have to be able to even think you're going to be successful. I mean, let's face it, the, the only people that are successful at anything are those who are okay with being bad at it for a while. And, and most of us just can't deal with that. And, and so, we, we, we can't be afraid to try things, to meet new people, to do new things, because, you know, it's, it kind of goes back to that quote that you just said, you know, life will push us uh, if we allow it to. Uh, if, if we sit on the couch, nothing's going to happen, but life will push us out there. And what we find more often than not, uh, that it will also catch us. Uh, you know, th- that was the hardest thing for me when I came up with this idea of growing bolder. And I, you know, and I, I just believed in this so much. And I said to myself, if I can't, quit this job that that I like that pays me fairly well it's pretty damn easy if I can't quit that to go do what I want to do if I can't risk it how can I convince anybody else to and you know and and I truly believe this and I know this sounds kind of wishy-washy I think that if you jump for the right reasons the universe is going to catch you. Uh, and now, if you're, if you're jumping because you want to be a drug dealer or you want to get into child pornography or you want to hurt someone, uh, you know, the cops are going to catch you and you're going to end up in jail. But if, but if you're jumping because you truly, you know, want to explore who you are, if you truly want to make a difference in your community, if you truly want to figure out how to live a life that has significance, the universe is going to catch you. Maybe not in the way that you thought, but that's the beauty of it. You know, we can't fight change. Change is the wave that we ride to success. And, and when, we, when, we, when we're afraid of change, I mean, it, it's just ridiculous because we can't control anything. You know, life is, you know, we will just be buffeted about by chance unless we decide that we're going to take a step and see what happens. And, and, and that's kind of what I've learned from all the people that we do stories on and the way I try to lead my life now. I, I love it. And speaking of the stories, that that you depicted in your in your book um i've met a number of these people it's kind of interesting um we get around uh one of them is hurricane hawkins um so she is this uh good lord what is she now i think she's a hundred and oh five that's right because i met her when she was 103 and she was out here pre-covid for uh, the masters, um, track and field. And, uh, at that time, of course, of course, she's going to break all the records. There's no one else there. I mean, she's it. And, uh, that by the way, is my ultimate goal in staying with the senior Olympics. I just, you know, hopefully I'll just, you know, outlive everyone else. And then there's no competition. I just show up and pick up whatever medal, you know, it's become a joke among people, but, um, here she is. She she had never run until she was like, what was it, 90 years old? She just picked it up. She also bikes, um, you know, out of just the pure delight of it all. She's a Southerner and uh, absolutely has captivated the world um, with her beautiful little smile, the little flower in her hair, and the fact that she just, you know, races at 50 or 100 meters and makes it happen um, and literally uh, is creating the records to be broken in the future because no one's ever been there before. One of the things I remember so much about her is uh, when we talked uh, and we got to really know each other during that master's meet, uh, you know, she, she just has this eternal smile on her face. She's always filled with wonder, but there is a 
fearlessness about her that is absolutely palpable. Did you find that when you met her? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I met her in 2019 at the National Senior Games when she was, what would that uh, be, 100 and, uh, 102. I flew to Louisiana uh, just a few months ago in December for the Louisiana State Senior Games when she became the first human uh, to compete in a sanctioned track and field event at 105. And I visited her at her home in Baton Rouge. And, and, and you're right, she is honestly... Pam, and I said this in a story that I did on her, I, I think the fact that she runs might be the, the least interesting thing about her, and that's incredibly interesting. She leans into life, and you gotta, you got to realize that 105 years old, I, I was there again in Louisiana, and she was standing on the track, and the wind was blowing. It was a cold day. They were trying. She can't see but two feet in front of her face, and the, the lines on the track were totally gone. The, the, they were washed away. It was an old track, and they were starting the 100-meter dash, you know, kind of back uh, behind the curve. So all of, all of the, the, the lanes kind of coming around the curve integrated with, with the straight lanes, and you really couldn't tell what lane was which. And they, uh, they were trying, her, her family was saying, could we put cones on either side of her lane because she can't see? Can we walk alongside her just to keep her in her lane? And the official said, no, if it's going to be an official record attempt, she can have no help, there can be no cones on the, on the track, and she stood there, and I was in her face with a camera, and I said, you know, how are you doing? Are you okay? And she said, honey, at 105 years old, it's hard to even stand still without falling, let alone run. And I said, are you going to run? And she said, of course I'm going to run. And I said, why? And she said, you get to be my age, you look fear in the face, and you run. And I want to make a point. I want to show people what's possible. So she got back there, and with everybody worrying about her, understanding that 105 years old, this could turn from what everybody expected to be just an incredible moment into an unbelievable tragedy. Her son was there. Her daughter was there. There were, <laughs> there were students that she taught when she was the fifth grade teacher in their 90s who came to watch their 105-year-old teacher run. Everybody was there to see Julia do her thing. And she ran straight down that track, uh, 100 meters, uh, set the new world record, because as you said, nobody had, had ever done it. But it was just because, you know, she was fearless. She wanted to make a point about what was possible. She wanted to show all the people there that you can make yourself do things. You can lean into life. And, and then after that, she went home. And She's got a bonsai tree collection. She's got in her yard every indigenous plant to the state of Louisiana. It's been declared a, a Louisiana state historical zone or something like that. You know, she's just an incredibly interesting woman. And we had hoped to see her in Fort Lauderdale not long ago at the, at the National Senior Games. But, you know, she said it's harder to travel at 105 than it really is to run 100 meters. So she decided to sit this one out. But, yeah, just an amazing, an amazing person. And and, and, and someone that I think is, is, is an example of what's possible in the future because she is an ordinary person. She's not a genetic super freak. And I, you know, Pam, I feel kind of hesitant to say some of the things that I say when I'm talking to a doctor because you know this better than, than, than I do. But, you know, the longevity is, is really only about 25% genes, some say less, 75% lifestyle. And the biggest lifestyle determinant of how we age it is not diet and it's not exercise. As important as both of those are, the most important lifestyle determinant of how we age 
is our belief system about aging, what the mind believes the body embraces. Our psychology drives our physiology, and she just believes that more is possible. And because of that, she continues to lead an active life that's enviable, and I think we can all agree. I have no interest in living to be 105 years old if the last 25 years of my life are spent in a wheel in bed. But, you know, if we can kind of maximize the, our, our, our health span, if we can kind of make our health span equal our lifespan, then, you know, sign me up. You know, who doesn't want to live to be 105 if you can live the kind of life that Julia Hawkins does? I love it. And, and the very fact that, you know, she's out there and she is, you know, putting herself in a place as a mentor, as inspiration, motivation, inspiring as she perspires and uh, it is, is helping. I just, you know, I don't want people to think that she's some kind of freak, that there's only one person out there doing that and back and forth. That's one of the reasons why the senior Olympics or the national senior games are, are so amazing because you have thousands doing this now, um, and discovering, uh, that they can go where no man or woman has gone before, uh, and they have the faith and conviction that they can pull something like that off. Now, we're talking about just, you know, the metaphor of sports. But honestly, this just goes across. I mean, you want to start a new company. You want to go out there and teach. What do you want to do? What are the possibilities? And I think you bring up in, in, in your book something that's incredibly important. And that is um, the limits of possibility. And, and the fact that uh, so many people have not had someone to help guide them um, to a place where they can actually start exploring and discovering, you know, things that they could do uh, well into their ninth decade in life, et cetera. And so I, I can see where you're going your vision is amazing um i'm completely aligned needless to say and your passion is clear um and now uh what we have is we actually have people who you have interviewed the rock stars of aging i love the uh, very first um uh, quote from keith richards getting old is a fascinating thing the older you get the older you want to get now that was cool. I kind of like that a lot. Um, and the very fact that uh, people are now getting wind of how to continue to do work on yourself mentally, physically, probably spiritually too, um, to be able to keep this party going. And I, I think that there's been no guidebook um, you know, again, you hear of people here and there. I mean, George O'Keefe was almost 100 when she passed away and all the rest of it. Um, but again, instead of just seeing a bunch of people as outliers, why not normalize more of this? Why not bring it to everybody? Um, and who would do the guiding? So who would do the guiding? Who would do the guiding? Yeah. I mean, I want to get bolder. Come on now. How do I do it? Here I am. I've, I've been drinking the Kool-Aid. Someone said I should just sit in a rocker or, you know, just play golf all day and do nothing else with my mind and my body. And you know as well as I do, science shows that that's not a great thing to do to yourself. You have to keep up with mental and physical challenges. You can't get into, you know, the same old thing, rut, 
uh, that's not healthy and it impacts on your morbidity and mortality. So the question is, where's the playbook for this? Well, uh, it, it's still difficult. And in truth, people like that we're talking about are everywhere. And you're absolutely right. You know, a decade or two ago, uh, you had to have someone in your neighborhood that had the same affliction that you did, you know, to, to, to know that, you know, a blind person could compete in a swimming event. Now all you have to do is see Vivian Stancil, who uh, is, is 100% blind and competed at the National Senior Games. Um, you know, th there are people, you know, we talk, call, talk about it at Growing Boulder as the someone like me effect. And that is when we can see ourselves and others, uh, when we can see somebody doing something we didn't think we could do or that we thought we wanted to do but thought it wasn't a possibility, you know, th th then it's game on. And that's really kind of the beauty about what we're doing, what Growing Boulder is doing, and what you do in, in, in your your message is that we share these stories. And then how do you do it? Uh, you know, you, you, you connect with people that are that, that are doing it. And that's one of the greatest things about the National Senior Games. And, you know, the fastest growing demographic in every organized sport in America right now are 60 to 65 years old because of this age wave. And, and people are learning that uh, you know, that it's easy to get involved and you just start slowly and you're encouraged by the people that, that do it. Th these communities of people that are involved in master sports, the vast majority of them don't really care whether they win or not. Of course, everybody likes to win, but the vast majority of them are, are just people that are kind of pursuing you know, their health and well-being, and everybody is there to encourage one another. So how do you get started? What's the playbook for this? Uh, you connect with and get involved with like-minded people because they're everywhere. I mean, as you know, you know, Pamela, the, 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 the medical profession for, for a long time and to some extent still, you know, it's ages. Pre prescribing medication ahead of lifestyle modification is, is ages. Physical therapists underdosing people on therapy because they think that they can't do it. Surgeons refusing to give a 90-year-old a new knee because he, they, they think that he or she is too old to have it. All of this is changing, but it's not changing overnight and it's not changing fast enough. You know, we've, we've got to quit looking looking at someone just strictly through their, you know, chronological age, because our biological age is, is, is a whole lot different for, for many people. You know, they say if you've seen one 85-year-old today, you've seen one 85-year-old. Uh, <laughs> this is the most diverse group of people that has ever lived in every single way. So uh, I, I know I'm not directly answering your question. Go to growingbolder.com and you'll be inspired. And we do have downloadable resources. Uh, we do have uh, a, a lot of uh, ebooks and different things that people can use to, to, to get motivated. But the, the main thing that you have to do is you have to just make a decision that you want to do it. You have to eliminate the option not to. There are far too many reasons not to do things. And, you know, a lot has been talked about the, the power of positive thinking. You know, we all remember Norman Vincent Peale's book. What what most people don't talk about, but what has been proven is that negative begets negative far more than positive begets positive. In other words, if you want to do something, I can tell you a hundred times you can do it. Someone else can tell you, yeah, go for it. And you're going to think, wow, that's pretty cool. But if one person 
One person tells you it's a stupid idea. You'll never be able to do that. You don't have what it takes. Why are you doing that? That's Most of us will just give up. So we, number one, we have to get away from the, the, the naysayers. We have to surround ourselves with people uh, that, that will encourage us. And, and then the next part of that is we have to be encouragers. We have to understand that if we just imply to somebody that that's not an option. You know, there, there's no way you can become an actress at 80 years old. Why would you think about writing a book? You don't have the skill to do that. Any of that kind of stuff will destroy somebody's desire and ambition at this age. We have to learn to be encouragers. We have to help people get off the couch and get out there and get going. And we have to quit worrying about what success is. Success is just getting started and taking one step in front of the other. And then the other thing, Pam, that I, that I think we have, because, you know, there, there's these excuses. There's no guarantees. We, we can tell you that lifestyle if you improve your lifestyle, you improve your chances of living an active life. You absolutely do, but there's still no guarantees. Bad things happen to good people. And if you want to believe that, that you can't live a better, bigger, bolder, happier, more engaged life, then you know that, that, that's up to you because there are no guarantees. But if you do get off the couch, if you do get moving, uh, my goodness, we see it all the time. People, the 90s is where it's at. I, I've talked to more active nonagenarians who tell me the 90s were the greatest decade of my life. I mean, it's almost funny. I mean, there, there are so many. If you can avoid, to a large extent, disease and disability into your 90s, man, that the world opens up to you. And, you know, that, that, that's where I want to be. I want to be an active, interested, excited 90-year-old. I love it. I mean, seriously, what a great goal. So you say in the book, the science is now irrefutable. We can no longer fool ourselves. We can no longer sit on the couch and rationalize that we must accept a fate predetermined by our genes. We have the power to switch our genes on and off. We can rewire our brains. We can slow our biological clock. It all starts with positive lifestyle modification and the most important modification that you can make is your belief system about aging it all starts with the mind and i i just love this you know and this also plays to a lot of hot new science when you say you can switch your genes on and off i did actually a ted talk on epigenetics um and the fact that for all intent and purposes you have like little dimmer switches on your on your genes if you have a really great gene for athleticism, whatever else, you could turn that up. You can upregulate it by getting out there and getting active. Um, and the same thing basically goes for funky genes too. You can downregulate those by healthy lifestyle once again. And to your point, which was superb, um, about the fact that uh, the medical profession just knee jerks right into, here, take this pill, patch, or potion, um, instead of, really diving into healthy lifestyle and it doesn't take that much small steps can yield great rewards we really need to see more and more of that and happily we now have an american college of lifestyle medicine i'm on the board of the american college of sports medicine and we really push this in a big way and so there are change agents like us out there who are really beginning to make this a thing there's a there there Right. When we're when we're really talking about the power of lifestyle modification. So to that end, tell us about prehabilitation. 
Uh, it's one of my favorite subjects. Uh, thank you for, for asking about it. I think we all know what rehabilitation is, you know, trying to recover therapy after we're injured. Uh, to me, prehabilitation is almost another word for, for exercise, and it's far more palatable to most people who think I don't like to exercise. Prehabilitation, in my estimation, is aging's ultimate no-brainer, and here's why. It is a given that all of us, Everybody listening to us right now is going to experience a series of physical setbacks as we age. It's part of the human condition. It's unavoidable. And to a large extent, the types of interventions that are made available to us when we experience those setbacks, the speed of our recovery afterwards, and the extent of our recovery afterwards is largely determined by our overall health and well-being at the time. You know, it's why orthopedic surgeons, if they can, you know, they, they, they will get you into a pretty strenuous exercise program before surgery if time is, is, is available because your recovery will be so much greater. It, it's why athletes, professional athletes, are rushed into surgery, not so much, uh, you know, because they need them back on the field, but, but they know that if they get them into surgery before their physical condition declines, their recovery will be, you know, far greater. So if you don't like to think about exercise, just do yourself a favor and admit because it is. None of us are getting out of here alive. Um, you know, it, you know let, 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 let's get over that. And, and, and because we are human beings, we all will experience a period of decline. And, you know, this is what we see in, in master sports all the time, Pam. You know, the people that are, and the, the, story, the stories are limitless, and I love them all. You know, the, the, the people that are in great shape when they get injured. I, I, I gave a talk to a national caregiving conference a while ago, and I was talking about the someone like me effect, uh, you know, which I mentioned earlier. When, when we can see ourselves and others, we realize what's possible. And one of these caregivers came up to me afterwards, and she said, I cared for my mother. My mother was 92 years old, and she broke her hip. And she was the most vibrant woman I had ever known. And after she broke her hip, she totally lost her zest for life. And I said, Mom, what's wrong with you? And she said, Honey, nobody my age ever comes back from a broken hip. And this woman looked at me and said, my mother died six months later. And she said, if I could have shown her, you know, the someone like me effect, if I could have shown her another 90 year old who broke a hip and came back, I truly think she'd still be alive. And I said, well, I know they're out there and I will find them and I will do a story. And lo and behold, at the National Senior Games in 2019, when we were there to cover uh, Julia Hawkins, you know, at 102 or three years old running in the same heat, in the same race was a woman by the name of Dottie Gray. And, and Dottie at 93 years old fell out of bed and shattered her hip. And when she did, doctors told her family she probably won't survive surgery. And when she survived surgery, the therapist told her family she likely will never walk again. She'll be in a wheelchair. And by the way, don't encourage her to walk again because it will end badly. And Dottie, who was prehabilitated because she competed in track and field and had for years said, you know, suck this. Uh, uh, I'm coming back and I'm coming, and, and I'm coming back strong. And lo and behold, at 94 years old, one year after falling out of bed and shattering her hip, one year after being told by her surgeons and her physical therapist that she would not live or not walk again, here she is running in the 100-meter dash alongside of Julia Hurricane Hawkins. So, um, 
Yeah, it's, you know, we have to change the, you know, the boundaries of possibility are being rewritten every single day by ordinary people who are living extraordinary lives. And and Pam, you mentioned it early on in our conversation. You know, we're no longer constrained to living linear lives that are tied to a calendar. You know, we, we see all the time, this is not just about sports, this is about life. This is about, you know, this is about living a life of, 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 significance and, and a life that, that has meaning. People are getting married at 90. People are starting businesses at 70. People are going back to school at 80. People are getting degrees in their 90s. People are writing their first book at 75. You know, all bets are off. You know, it's you, you can do what you want to do when you want to do it, and you don't need anybody's permission to do it. And once again, I come back to, if not now, when? I just, oh, what a message. And, you know, Everyone out there on the Herb Podcast land, one of the things that you need to keep in mind is that you're going to hear more and more of this activism. There's no question about it, meaning that this is going to affect all of us. Come on, we're all going to age. But the question is, how welcoming is that in our culture, in our society? You know, it's different from society to society, culture to culture, globally, um, how the whole aging process is actually perceived and viewed. Um, in in the United States, this is a whole different ball game. It's it's a write off most of the time, uh, and and there's also gender specificity here. Women tend to outlive men by five years. What well, what does that mean in terms of what's waiting for a woman? How are we laying down a strong foundation of mental and physical and spiritual wellness? to be able to live all of those years well, optimally, how do we define that? You know, why don't we all become a piece of this movement? No matter your age, you should all do this. We should all be doing this collectively because guess what? We're all gonna age. There's no way you're gonna get out of this. And, and so you're aging as we speak. And I'm really becoming a major activist in this field because I can really see the prejudice, the ageism uh, that takes place. Um, And a lot of it is gender specific too. I think it's um, to a certain degree much harsher for women um, at multiple levels. And that's one of the reasons why um, I'm really advocating for all of us here on the Herb Podcast to run on over to Mark's fantastic website, and that is um, the Growing Boulder, and that's B-O-L-D-E-R, website, as well as pick up the book. You can also pick it up at the website, and it's called Growing Boulder, Defy the Cult of Youth, Live with Passion and Purpose, because then you're going to have kindred spirits. People get it. We're, we're all in this, and there's a growing community, thanks to Mark's fantastic work here, um, to be able to embrace all of these precepts. Um, so important. This can't be a write-off anymore. Enough already, please, because we have millions upon millions of people you know, entering these years of age 50, 60, 70 plus. And we have to be able to be there for each other and to answer our needs. So, you know, as we're bringing this to a close, tell us what this whole issue of a launch pad to what's next. What's this whole issue of what's next? 
Well, there is an entirely new life stage that, that has never before existed. And, you know, it, it's fun to say that, but, but it really is true. For 99.999% of the time that human beings have been on this planet, and modern man's been here about 300,000 years, the, the average life expectancy at birth was 19. And, of course, that's at birth, and, and given there's been plagues and, you know, all sorts of bad things happen that don't happen as much now. But, uh, you know, for, for the, 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 the life the, 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 the life diagram of our parents and, and their parents was, was basically this, school and childhood for 20 years, uh, a career for 40 years, and retirement for about five years. The Social Security Act in this country was, packed, was passed in 1935, you know, declaring that at age 65 we would all be eligible for full retirement benefits, but the average life expectancy then was 62. Yeah, you know, and now it's you know it's 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 pushing eighty. So so now the new the the new life stage, the first part is the same: twenty years for childhood and education, about forty years for our career. But now there's the the possibility, the opportunity for three and four decades of active life beyond what's considered normal retirement age. For many people now, Pam, for many people, retirement, whatever that is, and it's it's changing for everybody overnight. The, the period of retirement is longer than the time that many of us spent in our entire career. So this is the notion of it's no longer the beginning of the end. It used to be you, you get to be 65, you get your gold watch, and you, you expected to live another four or five years. So you got on the couch and you got your affairs in order. Now, no, it's, now it's, it's a whole new life stage. It's the beginning of what's next, and you get to choose what it is. And I think this all comes back to what you and I have talked about. One of my favorite topics is to talk about compressing our morbidity because, again, we're human beings. There is going to be a period of decline at the end of our life. But this period of decline doesn't have to be 20 years or 10 years or five years doesn't even have to be a year. Again, there are no guarantees, but we see all the time people who stay active, and I don't mean just physically active, but socially active. People that are engaged in life compress the, the period of decline at the end of their lives. We see all the time in master sports a 95-year-old that competes in, a, in, in an event with their friends, you know, in another continent. They're in Europe. They compete in the World Masters Championships at 95. This is over. Olga Katelko's story. She flies home to Canada, uh, and two weeks later, she goes to bed and doesn't get up. You know, people are compressing their morbidity to days, uh, to weeks. And, and not only does, does it make their, their life better and richer until the very end, but it dramatically... Uh, <laughs> It dramatically decreases their health care cost. And if there's nothing else that motivates you guys out there, understand that health care is going to get better and better and better. It's also going to get more and more and more expensive. And the number one investment we can all make beginning today uh, requires no money at all. Uh, and it will give you the greatest rate of return over the years ahead, and that is simply to improve our overall health and well-being because that in turn will reduce our future health care costs. So, you know, there's every reason to get involved. Uh, everything from the quality of our life to the, the length of our life to the, the protecting whatever nest egg we have, uh, yeah, it's, it's just time to, to get out there and do our thing. I, ju I just totally agree. I, I can't even begin to tell you 
um, how important these statements are that everyone really inhales what you just said. Um, you know, it's interesting as we're as we're closing, I love to close with the way you decided to close your book, and that is with wishes for the reader. So you said, I close with my wishes for you, and I'm just going to read a couple of them. May you always believe that the rest of your life can be the best of your life. Live fearlessly with passion and purpose, leaning into life's biggest challenges with optimism and determination. Have faith in the power of your dreams and your ability to realize them. Feel like an important part of the human family, experiencing the joy of true human connection with people of all ages, races, and religions. You know what I was thinking about, Mark? I was thinking about um, a really extraordinary opportunity I had when I visited Costa Rica in 2015. It was my first trip there. And where I was staying in Costa Rica was somewhat close to Nicoya, which is one of the blue zones. And I, I found the most impossibly amazing translator, a young man, um, who knew the whole area beautifully. And I said, I would like to meet some of the famous centenarians who live in Nicoya. And he smiled widely. And he said, well, they don't really live in Nicoya. Nicoya is a beautiful little town, but they actually live up in the hills far away from, you know, all of the craziness of like, as it were, town or city life. And I said, well, listen, more than happy. So we got up early one morning. And he showed up in a Jeep. And I said, oh, my gosh, where are we going? And he goes, mansion. Now, obviously, that means mansion. The joke is that's the last thing you're ever going to see there. It's just these beautiful little, you know, humble abodes in this absolutely unbelievable jungle out there. Um, and so there are no addresses. You just take a right where the cows are and hang a left where the big tree is. Um, and that's what we did. And after a real kidney jostling trip, um, we made it to Panchita's home. Panchita was the famous um, centenarian featured in Butner's book, The Blue Zones. Uh, and she was their oldest um, uh, community member. She had seven generations of her family alive. Seven. Um, just to give you an idea. And at the time, um, she was a hundred and I'm just trying to do some additions here. Do, do, do. I think she was a hundred. She had just turned a um, hundred and nine. And the strangest thing happened. Now, she was quite deaf. She was quite blind. Um, you know, just a little snippet of a person. But she's rocking and rolling with what she got. You know, <laughs> just like you wake up in the morning, do a little anatomical inventory and you go, what, what still works? <laughs> and then, and then you just sort of go with it. So I met her, um, her great granddaughter was her caregiver and her great granddaughter was in her seventies. So, I mean, after a while you need a little, you know, calculator to figure this out. The reason I bring this up is, is what you just said. It's a joke among all of us who are in lifestyle medicine that our goal in life 
is to have the world's thinnest medical record. Just basically, you know, if I fell down and you know I scraped my knee, okay, fine. Um, and if I had a strep throat, okay, fine. Um, and then I have my physicals on a yearly basis, okay, fine. Um, but nothing else, not like, you know, volume six of, you know, Pam's record. What you want is like the world's thinnest one. And I get that from the nun study because the great nuns um, that were studied by the guys at the University of Kentucky um, in that beautiful book, Aging Gracefully, um, you know, they all had these tiny little <laughs> medical records. There wasn't really much there, you know, it's sort of like, well, I'm here and, you know, I'll see you next year. <laughs> and so this is the way Panchita was. No physician had ever visited her home. I was the first and I signed in you know, as such, because I was writing for U.S. News and World Report um, for this one particular visit. It was really kind of cool. I just decided to do a little tag teaming. And what was fascinating was what you, what you want, you just said it. You want the world's longest health span where you're out there rock and rolling, terrifying the neighborhood, having a great time, you know, annoying people, um, discovering things, challenging yourself, and then just drop dead. <laughs> just, you know, have have this in tiny little, you know, space in your life where you just, you know, were sick for a small period of time or none at all. You just basically passed away uh, quietly. Um, and there you have it. It's exactly what happened to her. She just turned 109 in November. I met her in December. And the moment she turned 109, she kind of knew and she kept asking when her next birthday was. And she would say it incessantly every single day. And on her 110th birthday, a year after I had visited her, the day after she passed away. She just needed to have one final celebration with her gazillion family members and then just say, hasta la vista. You know, we're done. Thank you. It was an incredible journey. Y'all have a good one. And, and that's the way I'm looking at this. I don't know. Does that resonate with you? Oh, absolutely. And, and I know you're trying to wind this down, but, you know, that's another one of my favorite topics. I was talking to a hospice person one time, and she mentioned, uh, she said, Mark, when you see a good death, you know, it, it changes you. And I said, wait a second, what's a good death? And she said, uh, and, and I love this, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I am going to fight the fight as long as I can, Pam. I'm not ever going to give in until I give in. Uh, but, but a good death is, is when you do surrender, you know, you get to the point where you realize for whatever reason, you know, maybe it's just old and you're ready to go. Maybe you are one of the unfortunate ones and you've got a terminal illness and you fight it as far as you can. But at some point in a good death, according to this woman, uh, there's a surrender. And, and once there's a surrender, uh, you know, the, these, the, people become curious about death. They kind of look forward to it, and, and their world kind of focuses, and it gets narrow and narrow, and a good death is when you're surrounded by your loved ones who are not traumatic. You know, of course, there's tears, but they're, they're tears of joy more than anything else for the time that you've spent together, uh, and, 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 uh, but, but it's, it, it's not this traumatic kind of a, a whatever. It, it's, it's a curiosity about what's next, and it's, it's a surrender. And, and yes, I, I love that. I, I would, I, who wouldn't want to get to the point where uh, you decide that it's time to go? And I think that happens. I think beyond a certain point, uh, there, there, there's not a lot of unhappy 
active centenarians, and, and, I, and I say in that book, and I believe it to be true, we've interviewed as many active centenarians and maybe more than any media group in the world. And, and uh, you know, there, there are people that, that science and medicine have conspired to keep alive who probably shouldn't be alive, uh, you know, because their quality of life is not that great or they don't even know that they're there. Uh, but, but beyond a certain point, miserable people just die. You know, miserable, miserable people don't continue to live. It's passion and purpose that, that, that keep you going, that get you up each and every day. And when you've done it all, when you've lost the passion, when you've lost the purpose, I think a lot of people at, at 109, like, like your friend in, in Costa Rica, they say, you know what? I'm done. And they are, and they're gone. And, uh, and, and man, that's, that's a pretty good exit if you ask me. And then finally, may you allow yourself to experience endless moments of joy Understanding that happiness can only be found in the journey and not in the destination. You know, Mark, you and I could go on forever. Uh, and, and that's I a threat, so. that's a threat <laughs> and a promise, um, both. Um, and you know, it kills me, but I'm going to have to wind this up. All I can tell you is that I so thoroughly enjoyed this conversation about growing bolder and quite frankly, at any age, but it is time to redefine the aging process. Mark, thank you so much for being on the Herb Podcast. And thank you. It's it's inspiring to talk to you, and I enjoyed it as well. And uh, you know, now you know, it's payback time because I'm going to reach out to you to get you on my podcast if if you're willing. <laughs> Absolutely. Are you kidding? We'll call it part two. We'll just sort of continue the party, right? We're good with that. Now, listen, everyone out there, what I want you to do after this fabulous, fabulous episode is to run on over, hit iTunes, rate and review the show because I want to hear from you. Why? Because I happen to be Dr. Pam Peak, host of the Herb Podcast. Please follow me on Facebook at Dr. Pam Peak or Twitter and Instagram at Pam Peak MD. And remember to catch every single episode of the Herb Podcast on iTunes, Radio MD, every single major platform. And listen, thanks for listening today. I just love having you here to just be part of our Herb Podcast community. Stay well and stay safe.